Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen. Amen. God bless each of you. How many feel the Lord moving in here today? It's all about Him. Everything we do, it's about the Lord. I feel better in my heart. How about you? We are so very, very thankful for everything that God has done and is doing. I had people that I haven't seen in a, in a long time came to me and said, we want to be in church today. Came to our 10 a.m., came to the altar weeping and crying and said next week we all want to be baptized. Say so we're, bringing, we're bringing family with us. So we feel the Lord pulling on us. We want to be right with the Lord. Come on, I think somebody will shout hallelujah. Every service, somebody's talking about being baptized. I'm getting messages through the week. Just a week or so ago, we baptized every day of the week but one. Prayer changes things. The miracles are happening. Lives are being touched and healed and transformed. Come on, God is doing a mighty work among his people. I'm so glad to be a part of that number, aren't you? Come on, the saints of God, there's nobody like you. I think you ought to jump to your feet, clap your hands, and shout hallelujah. Come on, shout hallelujah. Amen. This remain standing this, this past week. Uh, we had prayer revival, and uh, now no stranger to us is evangelist Cody Marks has been here and, and has been here, led of the Lord, been powerful, preaching for us in September, and came back for the fulfillment of the prophecy. Uh, in February the 12th and it was so amazing and uh, we were talking this week just a little bit and I said we got Brother Morgan coming and uh, of course you know Brother Marks he told me this week in my house he said every significant moment in my life and in my wife's life from the time we were young to now he said Brother Morgan has been preaching every moment of significance in my life and my wife's life the man of God was preaching. We are thankful. We have daughter works because of the ministry here. We have global works because of Brother Morgan's ministry. And when God spoke to me back in September to that the youth center was our Spanish-speaking church. That's where it would be held. We began to move forward and uh, processes and delays and trying to do it right. But the Lord just dealt with me. He said, just start it. Sometimes the miracle is in the motion. And I thought, what better Sunday to start it than when an apostle was here? Amen. They're the ones that start these things. And uh, we have an apostle here today, not just a preacher, that operates in this, this calling and this gifting. The Bible says first apostles. And we're so thankful to have the man of God. Brother Morgan, you've been there for important moments in my wife's in life it was it was cold Wendy's bad fries I think the drink was even flat but we sat in my office and you changed my life and my wife's life prepared us for one of the greatest battles that we did not know we we're about to go through and I'm here today because of a man of God and uh, I'm so thankful my heart is thankful 
He's going to come to this pulpit. Before he does, I want you to lift your hands and thank God. The Bible says there are gifts unto men, first apostles. Lord, we thank you for Brother Morgan. Come on, let's, let's thank God. We're thankful for one another. Give honor where honor is due. We're so thankful, God, for him today. We pray, Lord, a blessing over this service and anointing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. He's going to be with us again tonight at 6. If you have plans, cancel them. Be at the house of God. Come early at 5 o'clock for prayer in the prayer hallway, prayer rooms. Amen. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord? Amen. Come preach to us. Praise God. Come on, let's clap our hands and make a joyful noise. God. Well, let's clap to the Lord and magnify Him this morning. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Well, it's good to be in Zanesville. Amen. And uh, what a great crowd here today. And evident that the blessing of the Lord is upon you, and we're thankful for that. And uh, we're believing God to do something uh, uh, special today. Amen. And I thank the Lord that uh, I was telling somebody about being here this weekend. I said, you know, it's kind of a unique place. I said, I've been there a couple times, and uh, every time that I'm there, something very unique happens. And the last time I was here, we had the tongues of interpretation about the fires in the heavens. And my fire seeks an altar. And uh, I have... uh, use that across our fellowship and things that we're endeavoring to do and so I looked forward to being here I was scheduled to be somewhere else and uh, Brother Bounds mentioned it I, it's one of those things you feel in your spirit like uh, some places you just go some places you need to go and so I felt that way about today and so may God bless you amen and uh, I may be a little, uh, a little distracted this morning. The older I get, the more I need sleep. Amen. And I used to could do all kinds of red eye flights. And there's a time in my life is uh, sometimes I'd be up like two nights a week just traveling and running, and and uh, <clears throat> and then uh, I paid for it. Severely paid for it, and uh, so now sleep is very important to me. And matter of fact, the Bible says that uh, He would speak to people in dreams. And so, if you want Him to speak to you, you got to learn how to sleep a little while. <laughs> so I want to give Him plenty of time to say something to me. Amen. <coughs> and uh, our flight was delayed last night. And baggage and it was it was just crazy but that's part of traveling amen all right everybody good this morning everybody happy this morning excited about being here amen you look like you're excited about being here you know i uh, i threatened one time uh to buy a one of those little gopro cameras and i was going to wear a hat and mount that camera and I was going to put what I was looking at on the screen. <laughs> Neely 
just say I didn't have to do that. Amen. All right, Lord, help us today. Thank you for the leadership of this church, and thank you, Lord, for your presence that's here so rich today. We do want to humble ourselves before you because if we do, then you'll exalt us in due season. We thank you for the turning of the hand. We ask you to guide us today, to use our mouth, our mind, our spirit to convey your word in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. I'm going to let you sit down and I'm going to... <clears throat> I'm going to uh, not read a text this morning. I mean, I can if you want me to. Do you want me to read a text? I mean, I could pick any text in the Bible and then still preach whatever I want to preach. So, <clears throat> Amen. I, uh, I want to start with this today. I, I just kind of felt this and then we'll get into our subject. Amen. I uh, basically started preaching when I was about 17. And uh, I held my first revival when I was 17. I wasn't ready for it, but I did it anyhow. And uh, so I've been at this a little while. So needless to say, over 40 years of ministry, I've been privileged to preach in all kinds of churches, uh, pretty churches, ugly churches, skinny churches, fat churches, <laughs> good churches, bad churches. Some places that I went, especially in our evangelizing days of pulling a trailer, some places that I just dreaded to see the revival come to an end. And there was other places that on Sunday afternoon before Sunday night service, I'd already hooked my trailer up and couldn't wait to get out of town. And uh, I have been very fortunate. I, I sincerely mean that. God has been very gracious and kind and good to me. Uh, many times I get this feeling of I'm just not worthy of the things that you've given to me and that you've blessed me with and allowed me to participate in. I think one of the biggest weapons that the enemy has against us is always pointing out to us our areas that maybe we're weak in or we're not qualified. But I thank God for the grace of God. Now, some people view grace as the unmerited favor of God, but I uh, feel very strong about grace with this definition. It is God's divine ability to fill a deficit, regardless of what that deficit is. When Paul was talking about fivefold ministry and he was talking about ministry in general, even his, he talked about that God had measured to us grace to fulfill those ministries and that he sent that and the word grace in the Greek is charis or where you get charism or charismatic. It simply means gift. So in other words, when God calls you in spite of the areas in your life that you're deficit in, 
he allows a gift to come to you. And he allows that gift to operate in your life so that you do not operate in a deficit. And also, when it's all said and done, you can't say, look what I did. Because you know how much of a deficit that you have. Matter of fact, I'm already sidetracked. Amen. Matter of fact, it's the same way with faith. Uh, I, I view faith like a checking account or a bank account. And uh, all of us have a different amount in our faith account. Uh, but God puts you in situations that demand, let me just say it like this, it demands $100 worth of faith. And you've only got about $25 worth of faith. And uh, now God never puts you in something intending for it to overwhelm you or to conquer you. But he puts you in these situations so that you can learn the awesome power of God's grace. Uh, let me give you an example of this. I uh, announced when I was pastor in Oklahoma, uh, we had a really good Sunday morning service. I mean, man, it was just crazy in that place. And the night before the Lord had spoke to me and said, I'm going to heal everything in the building tomorrow night. And I was kind of like, oh, wow, you know, okay. And so we, uh, Sunday morning, it was going crazy. We get back Sunday night. It's deader than a hammer. I mean, it's horrible. Matter of fact, this service right now is extremely lively compared to what was going on in that building that night. And uh, I mean, I was preaching and it just like hitting about right there and dropping. And so I, um, I just, you know, okay, if you need a healing, I want you to line up. And they did. Uh, they lined up all the way down the center aisle, across the back, and coming up the side. And uh, the first lady in line, uh, her name was Margie McGuire. And uh, Sister McGuire, she's a precious old lady, and she had Parkinson's, advanced Parkinson's, and her arm was drawn and the shaking and all. She was the first one in line. And when I looked down at her, I thought to myself, you got to be kidding me. Can't we start out with a couple backaches and headaches and <laughs> stuff that people can't see? You know, <laughs> we're praying for your backache. You feel better? What do you expect them to say? Nope, still feel miserable. Amen. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, man, I was looking at her and, and I realized I needed about $100 worth of faith and I, I didn't, even, I didn't even get to $25 worth, amen. And uh, now I'm in a little dilemma. But God never asks you to do something and tell you that he's going to do something that he has not already allocated the grace that is needed for you to succeed or to fulfill it. <laughs> I learned a couple, I learned a couple, can I just kind of ramble around today, is that all right? Uh, I, I, a little girl one time I was in revival in Tulsa, Oklahoma and the little girl told her mom on the way home and her mom felt like she should come tell me the little girl said you know Brother Morgan's not a good preacher but he tells really good stories amen <laughs> so I may just stick with I mean you got one of the greatest preachers in shoe leather over here I mean my Lord have mercy and uh 
And I honor you, Brother Bounds. I have the deepest respect for you. My family respects you and your family. And uh, I know a lot of people, but you're at the very up at the very top of the list, and I mean that. And this church is certainly blessed to have them as your leaders. Amen. <laughs> so I, uh, back to my story. So I uh, decided, well, you know, I went and got the bottle of oil, and I come off down the steps, and, and I got, oh, I don't know. Well, when I got on the floor, it felt like something just draped over me. I, it's the only way I can explain it, just like something just fell on me. And I heard these words, the gift of faith now rests upon you. And, buddy, something changed in that moment. Now, you can say whatever you want to about the gift of faith, but this is my interpretation of it. It's when God sees. Now, let me explain one thing about grace. Grace means that you've given everything you can give but you're still short of something. It doesn't mean that you don't give anything, that God just gives everything. No, God expects you to give him everything in that situation, and then he's going to fill the deficit. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, man on his tiptoes reaching for salvation and redemption was lacking in deficit, so God's grace brought you the plan of salvation, it filled the deficit. That doesn't mean that you don't have to give God anything or you don't have to surrender to God. I don't know where in the world some of these people come up, well, I'm saved by grace. I can just live however I want to live, do whatever I want to do. You've got to be joking me. The Bible says the grace of God teaches us some things. And uh, anyhow, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked now. Amen. And so it, it just hit me. And at that moment, I could have believed God for anything. And so I, I, I got a little closer to Sister McGuire, maybe in that proximity there. And all of a sudden, she just started spinning like a top. Now, I use that expression, and I had some people the other day come up and say, what in the world is spinning like a top? Well, you'd have to be a little older to understand what spinning like a top is. And uh, so, I mean, she's just spinning it, just kind of this, you know, woo, 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 sound, you know. <laughs> and then all, she spun around, I don't know, three, four, five times. And then she just stopped. And when she stopped, she's facing me. And I watched it. I watched that hand drop. I watched the Parkinson's disappear out of her body. I watched her eyes get about that big around. And she said, oh, my God, I'm healed. <laughs> now... It went, it went from her to the lady behind her, and I'm just still standing over there. Now, I've got my oil. I'm ready. I'd already had my cards printed up. Mark Morgan, faith healer, coming to town. <laughs> didn't get to pass them out that day because I didn't anoint anybody, didn't really pray for anybody. The gift of faith was just an operation. Now, this is God's divine ability. This is how much God wants you to succeed in the things that he's asked you to do. We get to looking at the lack and the need of things, and uh, we get a little overwhelmed by that. But God is never going to ask you to do one thing, as I've already said, that he's not already allocated into that the grace or the gifts that you need to get the job done. 
So anytime that God starts speaking to a church about something, it doesn't matter how far out there it is. It doesn't matter how much of a deficit that you feel like you got. If God said, this is my plan, this is my will, then we're going to give God everything that, oh boy. We're going to give God everything that we possibly can. Ah, boy, I'm, I'm, I'm just all over the map here right now. Uh, you ever notice over there, uh, Haggai says, uh, well, you live in your sealed houses. The house of the Lord lies in waste. God has called us to finish some things. I feel a word here right now. God has called us to finish some things. Matter of fact, God has called us as a finishing generation. But if you watch the restorationists and you watch those things that happen in the rebuilding of the city and the temple, you'll remember that uh, all of a sudden they stopped building. They decided, you know, we can't get the job done. Well, if you study that out, what had happened was is when the king sent them back, he decreed that uh, he would finance it and he would support it. Well, they got over there and got to building and uh, they stirred the inhabitants of the land up. And uh, they, they tried through fear first. We'll just strike fear in your hearts. And that's where, who was it? Nehemiah, whoever said, we're doing a good work. We're not coming down. And we don't care what you say you're going to do to us. God's for us and all that stuff. But if you study it out, the Bible lets you know, I think it's in the book of Ezra, maybe chapter 5, somewhere through there, that they hired counselors that they might frustrate the plan of God, the purpose of God. What happened was is these people, the enemies, had decided to uh, get people in the king's uh, court to hide the original decree. And then the, that king cuts off the finances. So he doesn't know that the previous king by royal decree has told them that. And so next thing you know, people over there, uh, the finances get cut off. Now, I don't know if you've ever lived in that predicament before, but I've been there a couple of times. Just like everything dries up. Amen. It's just like what in the world just happened. So they decided, let's forget the building of the temple. Let's just focus on our own houses. And so uh, within a two-year period of time, the foundation's laid and all that. And then 14 years later, Haggai the prophet speaks to them and says, uh, well, you live in your sealed houses. The house of the Lord lies in waste. But you keep saying that it's not time. But he said, but I'm telling you that all the gold is God, all the silver is God's. And he said, why don't you just go cut some timber and just show God that you're serious about finishing this and just give God what you have and then watch what God can do. And uh, that's exactly what they did. They went and started cutting timber. And when they did, the enemy gets stirred up again. They sent a messenger down, I think, who is it? Darius Darius at that time. And they say, the pesky Jews are at it again. We need to stop it. You need to stop it. And so he sends a letter down to them and said, you need to cease. Stop this. And so they wrote a letter back to him, the people of God, and said, we're only doing what the previous king said we could by royal decree. And he says, well, let's find that decree. And they found it hid in a summer palace way up in the mountain somewhere. And so when he read that decree, he issued his own decree. He said, uh, whoever I find not honoring the original decree, I'm going to tear your house down, hang you on the timbers of it, and make it a dung heap. 
and I want the finances released so these people can finish what they need to finish. But God did not give them that miracle until they started cutting timber and giving God everything that they could give and they quit, are you, are you hearing me? And they quit waiting on the millionaires to show up. They quit waiting on money people to appear. Oh boy. I know this church lives by this, but I just feel a little nudge here. God always puts something beyond you. How in the world? I mean, I've, I've heard your testimonies about buildings and stuff. I mean, God always puts it where you're in a deficit. But that doesn't mean that you just sit down and say, well, you know, we just don't have enough. And No, when God sees you on your tiptoes, stretching, reaching with everything you've got, he said, now watch this. I'm about to give you a gift. I'm about to give you $75 worth of faith. It's my faith. I'm going to give you $75 worth of faith. Matter of fact, I'm not just going to give you $75. I want you to have more than enough kind of faith. So I'm going to give you $100 worth of faith myself, but that's going to put you at $125 worth of faith. That way you have a little faith left over. Some of you don't know if you believe what I'm preaching about right now or not. I learned it that night. I'm asking God right now in this building to allow the gift of faith to come into this place and to allow the grace of God to appear in this place. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what it is that God's called you to do. I don't know what it is that you feel that you have a deficit in. See, this is why you will never have an excuse on why you couldn't live for God. Because God knows that on your own, you can't live for him. But he allocates grace to you so that you can live a victorious life. So you're not going to be able to stand before him and say, I just couldn't do it. He said, well, you're right. You couldn't do it. But I would have been more than a conqueror in you. And my strength would have come to you in your weakness. And you could have lived a victorious life. So guess what? The excuses just got ripped off. If you want to live for God... His grace will be there. You just got to decide, do you want to finish? Woo. Oh, boy. I wasn't planning on being where I'm at right now. You're going to build a tower, sit down first, count the cost to see if you have sufficient to finish it. Lest after you've happily laid the foundation, you're not able to complete it and Men come by mocking, saying, well, he was able to start, but he wasn't able to finish. Three times in there, it says, finish it. The fourth time, it doesn't say finish it. It just says, finish. Hmm, finish. Because God's deal is, I know you don't have enough within yourself to finish it. I just want to know, do you want to finish because if it's in you to finish then the only thing that will be sufficient is my grace <laughs> hey Paul my grace is sufficient for thee I know you're in a deficit but I see it's in you to finish to finish the course 
So I'm going to allow my grace to come into your life and to fill the deficit that's in your life. Praise God. Matter of fact, if you'll remember, one of the last things that Jesus said on the cross was, it, it is finished. Calvary was the greatest act of grace that there ever was. And when he died on that cross, he said, I'm filling all the deficit in humanity so that they could be saved. Woo. I could just shout right now. I thank the Lord for it right now. That book of Acts early church, that book of Acts early church, one of the statements that's read about them is, and great grace was upon them all. I could interpret that and say, and great gifts were upon them all. Well, praise God. Let me get back up here and get back to Everybody good? All right. I'm going to read this list and I'm going to get to where the Lord wants me to go. So I wrote this down. I was preaching for my brother a couple years ago and, and I preached two weekends for him and God really was gracious. The first weekend I knew exactly and then the second weekend I just felt impressed in that morning prayer to just write this stuff down. And this is the way I wrote it. After 40 years of ministry and preaching in hundreds of churches, this is my observation of the characteristics of a Book of Acts church. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've been very fortunate to preach in churches that were exploding in revival. Hundreds of people getting the Holy Ghost. God's been very gracious, and that's why I was trying to start, been very kind to me to allow me to play a small role or to be involved with some of these things. But here's the characteristics that I noticed in these churches. Number one, prayer. They were churches of prayer. We're not praying, forget it. My house shall be called a house of, not a house of preaching, not a house of singing, but a house of prayer. Second thing I noticed is those churches were, uh, they worshiped, they had intense worship. Third thing that I noticed is they had fellowship, and I put on here community, but I spelled it kind of different. The last word of it is unity, and I spelled it with bold letters. Community. They were together. They had all things in common. The fourth thing that I noticed is they were very strong in the apostles' doctrine. They didn't tamper it down. They didn't water it down. They preached to people, not mean or vicious, but they preached to people that you must be born again. They preached the apostles' doctrine. All of this is coming right out of the book of Acts, and they continued steadfast in the apostles' doctrine. You with me? Then the next thing I noticed, they were churches that had great faith. They, they had faith. The seventh thing is they had a vision and a purpose. The eighth thing is they had an altar, and I'm going to come back to that. They had an altar. The ninth thing is, and I put these two together, 
is they had love one for another. Boy, it's quiet now. And then they desired to do the will of God above all things. Now, uh, I have given my life to trying to study the book of Acts and having a hunger to see a true book. I used to call it apostolic, and there's some parts in the world that apostolic's not really a popular thing, I guess. And so I just kind of refer to it now as a book of Acts revival. And uh, I think that the book of Acts is given to us as an appetizer. Just remember something, that uh, God's not a respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of hunger. And God feeds you according to your appetite. If you thirst and hunger after righteousness, you'll be filled. But one of the things that I notice that God does is, is he lets you taste something first to create an appetite in you. Does that make sense? He allows you to visit places in the spirit. You don't occupy it then. You don't live in that, but he allows you to visit it so that you're aware that it is available and you're aware that uh, there it is. And what it does is it starts creating a taste for it, an appetite for it. Does that make sense to everybody here? Every level that you're getting ready to go into, God will allow you to peek into it. He'll allow you to visit it. Paul said, I was third person, caught up in the heavens, and I've seen things that are third heaven. I've seen things not even lawful to mention. God gave him such a taste and an appetite for that third heaven that he was going to do whatever he had to do to get there. And this is what God does to us. We have some church services to where he allows us to move into dimensions of the spirit that we've never been before. And then you come back the next Sunday and it's not there. And then you wonder, well, where did it go? It's God trying to create an appetite telling you, now if you want this kind of food, it's going to cost you a little more. It's not a matter of, is it a sin? It's not a matter of, is it in the manual? It is a matter of, I do these things as an act of consecration to God, and I feel that this is a part of my life that I have to give God in order for me to occupy those places that I've been allowed to visit in the Spirit. You ever been, somebody tell you about some famous restaurant, and they just kept telling you, kept telling you, kept telling you. You ever been there? And uh, finally they say, well, come on, I'll take you over there. Now, it's usually that away. We have other people start telling us about these places in the spirit. We have people start telling us about the things that God wants his people to be involved in. And then, uh, then he allows you to, okay, you've heard about it. Now, I'm going to let you taste it. Now, Proverbs says if you ever get to eat the king's food, you might as well put a knife to your throat, meaning you can't afford those kind of foods. But if you ever taste it and you create a diet for it, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And so you hear about this restaurant, people's telling you about it, and then you go and you visit it and they start with appetizers and start bringing food out. And the next thing you know, you're eating it and you're starting to create a diet for it, and you desire for it. But you then, you know, they, they took you there on their own expense. They paid for that meal. But you knew if you went back to eat it again, they weren't going to be there to pay for it for you. 
You's going to have to pay for it. Oh, boy. Man, I just got a whole lot of Holy Ghost on me. Amen. And that's the way it is. Some people in places in the spirit, they'll take you at their own dime. They'll take you at what it costs them to get there. And then they'll let you visit that with them. And they'll share things with you in the spirit. But now if you want to go back, you can't go back at their expense. You've got to look at the menu and say, I really like that. I want to eat some more of it. And then you've got to decide if you're willing to pay the price in order for you to go back to the table. And God is allowing, God is allowing right now some visitations in the spirit. And he's allowing us to be exposed to some book of Acts stuff. And what it should do is, especially when you look at the book of Acts, to me, the book of Acts is just a big appetizer. It's just telling me you can have this. It's available. If you'll just live the same life they live, you'll, you'll consecrate like they consecrated. It will happen. Yeah, am I losing you? All right. Now, I've looked at that, looked at that, and looked at that, and studied it, and they continue steadfast in the apostles' doctrine, breaking bread house to house that eat their meat and sing with gladness of heart and all that stuff. And so I've looked at it, and then I've seen that they uh, had threatenings against them. They went to the house of God and said, uh, this is what they're saying. And then it talked about uh, they went out and great signs of wonders were with them. But in the midst of all of that, in the midst of all of that, Break, breaking out in that new community is giving. Giving. Yeah, it's quiet in Zanesville right now. Amen. Oh, no, Brother Morgan's getting ready to preach about giving. That could get dangerous. Let me explain something to you. It was not the miracles and the signs and the wonders that got Jerusalem's attention. Oh boy. Let, let me just help you with something. In the end time, the enemy's gonna be able to call fire down from heaven. And he's gonna duplicate miracles. So if we think that miracles, signs and wonders is the thing that's needed for us to convince the world we're in some dangerous territory. Oh boy. I know y'all wanting a refund now. Amen. <laughs> but this is, this is what we talk about. This is what we go to. Uh, <clears throat> but yet in that book of Acts, they, uh, boy, I, I see some things. In that book of Acts, they did have great miracles. I mean, Acts 3, on and on it goes. But then you get into Acts 4, and the Bible says that they sold their possessions. Now, that doesn't mean they sold everything and moved out in the streets. That means they got rid of all the excess, excessive stuff. And uh, they had other properties that they were selling, and they were bringing it down and placing it at the apostles' feet so that there was not a lack or a need in the congregation. They had all things in common. Uh, so this is what was beginning to happen. Now, here's the thing uh, that I want to tell you. The, the enemy can duplicate miracles. 
and he does. I've seen a lot of false signs and wonders. Just because somebody can call your name and tell you what you had for breakfast yesterday does not mean it's the Holy Ghost. But you'll be surprised how many apostolics, that's all it takes. Oh, my God, man, it's a gift operating. Well, when I was a boy, I snuck off to the county fair. That's back in the days they preached against the fair. <laughs> so I snuck down there and got in there, and there's a guy over there, and I think for $2, you could pay him $2, and he would tell you your name, your Social Security number. I stood there and watched him tell a guy one time, he had a jacket on, and he told him all this stuff, and then he said, and in your front pocket up here is a pack of cigarettes, and this is how many cigarettes you have in that pack. And the old boy got about and counted them, and sure enough. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I didn't feel a witness of the Holy Ghost when that was going on. <laughs> I didn't start dancing and shouting because somebody read that boy's mail. And you have to be careful because people can tap into a familiar spirit. To me, a familiar spirit is a spirit that's been with you all of your life. It's been with you from the probably birth. It knows all your history. And people learn how to tap into that and it feeds them information. And then you've got a bunch of gullible people that don't have any of the gifts of discernment operating. And they just accept the fact is it must be God. Boy. Mic check, one, two. Now, oh boy, help me out of this quicksand, Lord. <laughs> now, the deal is, is uh, so what's the difference? Well, the enemy can duplicate miracles, but there's one thing the enemy cannot duplicate is God's nature. He can duplicate power, but he can't duplicate God's nature. And it was when that Jerusalem seen the true nature of God manifesting through those people, not the power, but the nature of God manifesting through those people, it moved Jerusalem. It moved Jerusalem. Praise God. See, your human nature wants power. It craves power. Oh, boy. It, it, it operates in the church, your human nature. I want power. I want power. I remember a few years ago, well, it's been several years back. <laughs> Is this okay? I just kind of, uh, several years ago, I was um, uh, pastoring there in Oklahoma, and, then, and one of the teachers there, she taught fifth grade class, and both of my girls had her in the fifth grade. And we kind of developed friendship, and her husband got cancer, and we prayed for him several times. And I wish to tell you, there's a miracle, wasn't? And we was at the funeral, and then a few weeks later, uh, this teacher come out and gave me a letter. She said, "I," she said, "Pastor, I think that for some reason I feel to give you this letter, and I want you to read it." And so I said, "Okay." And it was a letter from her daughter to the family, thanking them for their support and and everything, you know, and their their help and comfort and all. But in that, she said, when my dad was first diagnosed with cancer, she said, I went to prayer, and while I was praying, the Lord said, why is it that you only ask to see my power, but never my purpose? And man, when I had Sister Morgan reading the letter, I was driving, and you know, I should do that when you're 
driving and even texting you shouldn't be driving and so <laughs> that went over really well amen and uh, so I said read that again so she read it again now just stay with me a second she read it again and so when I got home this is before all the computer stuff so when I got home I uh, got my old trusted Strong's Concordance out anybody remember those and I went to looking at it, and this is what I found. There's nowhere in the New Testament that power stands alone. People that want power are egotistical maniacs. And they're going to self-destruct. Well, that went over real well, too. Boy, I'm just batting a 1,000 up here right now. Amen. <laughs> Because your craving and desire for power comes out of your human nature. Mm. You got to be careful because the enemy, man, I, maybe I should preach something else. I don't know. The enemy goes to Jesus and says, uh, hey, tongue to the pinnacle, said jump. It's written, the angels will bear thee charge, won't let you dash your foot against stone. Well, I've always taught that the three temptations of Jesus was also the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh, I understand, uh, it's turned stone into bread. The lust of the eyes, when he showed him all the kingdoms and the glory, which means the wealth of those kingdoms, that would be the lust of the eye. But how would him jumping, how would him jumping off the pinnacle of the temple, how would that deal with the pride of life? And finally, I felt like the Lord gave me an answer to that. He said the enemy was trying to get Jesus to use the power of God to affirm who he said he was. Why do you need my power to convince your enemy that comes out of pride or other people? Oh, boy. Man, yeah, I'm, I'm. should I just dismiss now and we go eat? You'd be shocked at how many people want power so they can convince their peers and other people around them that they're. Mm. All right, let's, let's get to it now. Uh, what's the true nature of God? Well, I think when you just get down to it, it's very simple. God is love. You see, human nature is about self-interest, self-preservation. It's about me. It's self-willed. It's selfish. And it's all about what I can accumulate, what I can have, what I can do. That's in your human nature. Now, I don't see any halos out there. There's none of you glorified yet. If you think you're glorified, we're about to have a test for you. Please come up. I'm going to see if you can walk through that wall over there. <laughs> now, I don't think we got anybody in the building that can walk through the walls here today. So that means you're still dealing with your human nature. So <clears throat> we either have to operate in our human nature or we operate in a divine nature. This is the battle that we have. This is the struggle that we have. Uh, Paul said in Romans 8 that your spirit was redeemed, but your body's not redeemed yet. And uh, so that's going to happen when you're raptured out of here or you're glorified. 
So it means that I still have this battle and I have a struggle. It happens in all of us. This is the issue. This is the battle. The biggest devil that you're going to fight, the biggest, let me rephrase that, enemy you're going to fight is not the guy coming with the pitchfork and the red suit. It's the man or the woman that you look at in the mirror every day. That's your biggest battle that you do not live in that natural nature that is very self-centered and self-focused. And if I can conquer that man, and if I can beat that man, then guess what? I won't live in my natural nature. I'll live over here in this supernatural, divine nature. Now, when I get over here, there's some particular characteristics of it. And so this is exactly what happened to the early church. They were manifesting God's divine nature. It's not natural for you to want to give everything. But they were giving everything. They were pouring it out. And when Jerusalem seen them loving one another to the point. Now, you're, you're looking at me really strange like, I don't know about all that. Well, let me just remind you of this. Uh, Ephesus is the only church among seven churches that had its candlestick threatened to be removed. But it was the most apostolic church. They hated everything false. I mean, if they thought he was a false apostle, they'd try it and they'd judge it. They were pure in their doctrine. I mean, they, had with, I mean, they held on to things. But it was the only church, and the reason why is because you left your first love. If you study that text, what that means is, is you quit loving God, and because you quit loving him, you quit loving each other. And by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Not that you're casting out a devil. Not that you're healing the sick or raising the dead. And I believe in all of that. But by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. That you have love one toward another. And the apostolic church is a lot like the Ephesus church. Oh, we can't stand anything false. We don't like false ministry. We don't like false doctrine. We don't like any of that stuff. And we'll judge it, and we should. But if we're not careful, we get disconnected from the source because the love of God is something that you cannot produce on your own. You've got to connect to him, and God is love. And when you connect to him, the vine and the branch, now we're in John 15. When you connect to him, his love flows through you. And the fruit of John 15 is not a soul, but the fruit of John 15 is when people see the love of God manifested in your life and expressed toward them. And if you don't stay connected, you're going to wither and die. Men are going to gather you and cast you into the fire. That's not the lake of fire. Men aren't going to cast you into the lake of fire. What he's saying is, is if you don't stay connected to me and you don't stay connected to your brethren, then what's going to happen is, is that you're going to be put in situations with humanity that's going to burn you up and consume you. And the only way you can deal with it is you've got to stay connected to the source and you've got to stay connected to his nature and let his nature overcome you and let his nature flow through you so that the world can see. And John put it like this. Mm. Do you know where John went when he left the Isle of Patmos? Now he wrote, is it, am I going too long? He wrote that letter 
He wrote that letter and he said to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Now, I personally believe, and I think history can prove this, that the angel was the pastor, the bishop of the church of uh, those churches. History will tell you that more than likely it was Timothy that was still the pastor of the church at Ephesus. But it's also Timothy that Paul had to write to and say, God's not given you a spirit of fear. The love, power, and a sound mind. Fear operates when you're in your own nature. And when you live in fear, you fear your brother, you fear your sister, you feel people, fear people around you. You live your whole life in fear. They're going to take advantage of me. I don't trust them. I don't this. I don't that. Somebody called me the other day and they were going on about stuff and I said, well, here's the problem. Every decision that you're making right now is fear-based. <laughs> and when you fear people, you don't trust people. I know some of you are looking at me like, where did you drag this guy up? Amen. But this, is, this is the issue. This is the issue. So when John leaves the Isle of Patmos, historians say that he settled in Ephesus. He went right to the city, and guess what? From Ephesus, he wrote his epistles first, and then he wrote his gospel. Now, when you get into his epistles, there's a few things that he's dealing with. One of the main things that he's dealing with is love. And he starts telling those folks, listen, if you say you love God whom you've not seen and you hate your brother whom you have seen, he said, then here's the thing. Now, I didn't say it, he did. He said, you're a liar, there's no truth in you, and you're in darkness. And he's writing to apostolics. Well, look what I found, amen. And this is the area that you're always tested in. Now, he goes on down through there, and he says this. He says, uh, uh, if you see your brother hath need, and you have the ability to help him, but yet you shut up your bowels of compassion, how say ye the love of God appeareth in you? You're not to love in word only, but in deed and action. Amen. Now, what you don't understand is, is in that same text, he uses Cain and Abel. Because basically, when Cain says to God, when he says, where's your brother? What was the answer that Cain gave him? Anybody remember? Am I my brother's keeper? I'm not my brother's keeper. And that's the backdrop that God uses and John uses to teach this analogy to us. When I see another brother have need and I don't be moved with compassion toward that, I'm saying the same thing to God that Cain said. Am I my brother's keeper? They got themselves in that predicament. They made some mistakes. I'm tired of bailing them out. Can I see honest folks here today that say, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> I remember one time I, I was having a disagreement with one of my brothers, younger brothers. Jeff and I stand in disagreement, so that's just... but. <laughs> one of my younger brothers and so I was talking to my dad and I just popped off I said I'm telling you right now and oh I wish I'd have never said it my dad said you can shut your mouth right now well it's the truth he said I don't care if it is the truth 
He said, that's your brother, I understand. But he said, that's my son. And I was kind of like, when he was saying it, I kind of like hear God say, and you do the same thing about some of the brotherhood. Well, they do this, and they don't do this, and they, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I, I'm killing this service. I understand. Amen. But if you see him have need, and you could help, and you don't, you're really saying to God the same thing Cain said. I'm not my brother's keeper. See, that's the wrong side of things. But when they see the fact in this statement, for God so loved the world, he gave. When apostolics start loving like we should love, it is expressed in our giving. When you love the work of God, you love the kingdom of God, you love the brotherhood, you love those things, you give. Now that's not human nature. Have you ever, have you ever shared with people your giving People not in the church, well, I give my tithe and I give these kind of offerings. They look at you like, you've lost your ever-loving mind. Why in the world would you want to do that? And I, I had a lady here a while back. She fell and ended up with a little sell, settlement. And, and uh, you know, and I mean, she's pretty well maimed for life. And so some of her friends... Because she told me, she said, now, Brother Morgan, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to tithe off that. And I said, okay. And uh, now I've had other people change their minds and do some things different. Because they don't see it the way God wants them to see it. They see it through their human nature. And their human nature is about self-preservation. Oh. And uh, anyhow, so she had people around her and even a couple people in the church saying, well, you shouldn't pay your tithe. You need to put that money over in a savings account and live off of it. And if you draw something out of it, pay it then. But you don't have to pay your tithe on all that. So they got in her head and got her kind of mixed up, so she called me. And this is all I said, you know, Lori, here's the thing. I said, if it's first fruit, it's first fruit. If you get it, the first thing you do is you honor God with your substance. Now, that's not... That's not out of the Levitical priesthood. That's Proverbs. Honor the Lord with thy substance so that your vats may be full and your wine press is running over and all that stuff. So if you're not careful, people around you will tell you, you've lost your mind. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to give that kind of money? Well, the thing is, now I understand we can give and give for the wrong motive and the wrong reason. You can pray for the wrong motive and wrong reason. You can fast for it so you can stand up and say, look what I did. That's eh, all the reward you're going to get. Amen. Now, the deal is, is but when we give this out of love, people don't understand it. It's so it's because it's so contrary to human nature. Why in the world would you want to take 10% of your income, especially living in America right now where about, what is it, 40 to almost 50% of your income is taxed? And now you're going to add another 10% to it? Why in the world would you do that? I do it not because 
I'm afraid that if I don't do it, the devourer's going to show up at my house. That's fear. You're given out of fear. But if you love God the way you say you love God and you're thankful for the blessings of God in your life and the fact that God saved you and you want to honor him out of love, then it's in you to give these things. Now, the world doesn't understand that. Hmm. I am convinced that the way that we're... Okay, let, let me just wrap it up. I'm convinced that the way we're going to see the revival that we want to see it is it's not coming out of faith. It's going to come out of love and compassion. close with this. I was on my way to the Philippines and uh, they'd asked me to come over and teach on the gifts of the Spirit the church and uh, the role of the prophetic in the church New Test or 21st century. And so I was on my way over there and on the plane and I had my Bible out, my notes, and I was kind of going through them and, and uh, I just kind of put my head back and I said God, why are we not seeing more of the gifts of the Spirit in operation in our churches now? And, uh, and I thank God for every gift that manifests. So I'm not, but there's more gifts than what we're seeing operate. And so I just kind of like, why, why are we not, we're not seeing it more. And in the way that God just kind of talks to me, my answer to that was, you'll see those gifts operate when you love my body the way I love it. I, uh, okay, let me, let me tell personal story. You ready for another story? Yes, I'm going to tell you one more story and I'm starting to get just a tad hungry so I'm going to hurry up. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> That's important to me. My human nature's taking over right now. Amen. <laughs> and uh, I uh, that, remember the night that I told you about the miracles and the healing? God healed everything in that building that night. I mean, the whole line was healed. And so you would think that I would be excited about it. The next day we went to lunch, and my brother was assisting me at the time, Jeff, and another guy's pastor in the Old Mogi Church now, Steve. We're sitting at this Chinese restaurant, and I vividly remember the Chinese restaurant. Well, I'm not going to say it because it would be politically incorrect. Amen. <laughs> I was going to say something about the roaches that were running all over the tables and the walls. and, and so, But the food was good. Had a little extra protein in it, but the food was good. Amen. <coughs> and uh, every once in a while, you got a little crunchy something in there. Amen. And, uh, <laughs> and so we're sitting there talking, and they said, man, you don't seem to be excited about this. And I said, uh, I'm not. They said, after that service last night, I said, I'm not. I'm not excited about it. I'm worried about it. Why in the world? I said, because I've never seen anybody that operated in a gift ministry that didn't go wacko and end up in Waco. <laughs> they flip out. They, they just start doing crazy stuff. So to me, there's no future in this. I'd, I'd, I'd still like to keep my mind. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I don't see any future in this. So I, um, I don't know, a month maybe, 
maybe less. It just was in my spirit. I was warring with all this. And so I was up getting the girls ready for school, and, and uh, the phone rings. And I uh, answered it, and hello. Remember the days, now you kids won't remember this, remember the days of the long extension cord phones, and they'd get all twisted up, and I can even remember rotary phones. That's how old I am. Amen. <laughs> and uh, these kids, what in the world is that? Amen. But uh, the phone rang that morning, and I picked it up, and I answered. I said, hello. And there's a voice on the other end that said, uh, is this Brother Morgan? I said, it is. And the voice said, uh, my name is Marilyn Chenault. And she said, I feel like the Lord's given me something for you, but... I don't know how you feel about receiving a word from a woman. <laughs> well, it depends on the woman talking, amen. <laughs> I said, well, Sister Chenault, if God's giving you something to say to me, please say it. This was my first conversation with her, the old prophetess. And she said, have you not been praying on how you could be used in the gifts of the Spirit and not be destroyed? Yeah. Well, the Lord wants me to give you an answer. I said, all right, what is it? She said, the gifts must operate from, through, and by love. And if you operate them out of that, you will end up being destroyed. She said, now what I'm about to tell you now doesn't have anything to do with the Holy Ghost. This is just me. It's okay. She said, I can tell everything I need to know about a man but how he treats his wife. Have a good day, Brother Morgan. God bless. Click. <laughs> that was my first conversation. Now, there was a little more to the conversation. A part of that was, it's going to take you a while to learn this, but you will, and it's going to be your salvation. You see, when Jesus seen the multitudes, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. And when he was moved with compassion, he healed them all. See, a lot of times we want the miracles just to prove we have the power. But when you're moved with compassion and you're dealing with somebody that's going through something and you feel for that person and then you want to help that person but you realize that you don't have what is needed to help them. So guess what? Now I'm back to where I started. The grace of God or the gifts of the Spirit or the grace of the Spirit comes to you now. So somebody tells you and you're moved with compassion that they're afflicted or they're sick and all of a sudden the love of God's moving you for that. When you go to pray for them, I want to teach you something. Paul said, covet the best gift earnestly. And I've seen through the years we divide them into three categories and all, and this is the better ones and this is... No. The best gift is the gift that's needed for that moment. And so when I move with compassion and love toward this person and I realize that they're afflicted and they're sick, but I don't have it within me. I have a deficit. I cannot help that person with healing. I can encourage them. I can send them to the doctor and they can help them. But as far as divine, no. This is where we need to start asking God to allow the gifts of the Spirit to operate through us so that we can effectively minister and help edify and build up his body. So you don't have to pray for more faith to operate.
Because if I remember correct, the Bible says that, uh, what is it, uh, uh, something about faith and love and love, work of faith and all this stuff. So when you start loving like you should and you're moved with compassion, this is where we're going to start seeing miracles happen in an unprecedented manner. When we give like we've never given before. I'm talking finances now. This is, okay, all right, I lied to you. I lied to you. I, I got to tell you one more story, and I'm going to step down here to tell it. Now, don't get worried. It's not going to be a long story. I was, uh, in the early 90s, I started preaching in Modesto, and I already mentioned places that I preach. I'm not trying to. And uh, it was on a Sunday morning in prayer. The Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to preach about lesser altars today. And uh, I thought, what in the world is that? So I went over to where the Bible says about Solomon. Is everybody okay? Am I, am I boring you? I know I'm not screaming, but uh, I'm too old and fat to scream anymore. So you'll just have to take what you can get. Amen. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, I looked at that story. It said that Solomon went to the altar of the Lord the great altar, and he offered a thousand burnt offerings, and right after that, God gave him a blank check. And, uh, you know, the same thing is going to happen in this church. He offered him a blank check, and he said, there you go. What do you, you fill in the amount. Of course, he asked for wisdom. Now, it's kind of dangerous for God to give you a blank check and say, you fill in the amount. But if you've just come from his altar and you've offered a thousand burnt offerings, trust me, you're not going to be selfish about what you're about to ask for. And then he showed me in that text where it said, but the people worshipped in high places. What that meant is they were still worshipping God, but they weren't going to the great altar or the altar of the Lord. They were just kind of going out in their backyards and building an altar and worshipping God there because it was convenient. They didn't have to take the journey didn't cost them quite as much. And so God says, nope, I don't want the people worshiping at lesser altars. I want them to come to my altar. And I want them to sacrifice at my altar. And so I preached that that morning. And believe it or not, I know you wish that it happened here today. I, I, I don't think I preached maybe 20 or 30 minutes. And it just moved in there. And I can still remember uh, Brother Keys falling on the floor behind me and just sobbing and weeping. And then the people just flooded up toward the front. And uh, they were coming to his altar. See, in all of our lives, we build God an altar, but then there's a time in our life that God builds us an altar. And he said, this one's going to cost you. Ooh, this one's going to cost you. So I preached that that morning, and they flooded around the front. I left that service about four-something, and they were still praying. I got back to the motel and I said, uh, um, what am I going to do tonight, God? I mean, you know, number one, they're still over there. And, and, and this is exactly what he said. You don't have to do anything tonight. I'm going to show you what a true Book of Acts church service looked like. I'm like, whoa. So we got back that night and when we did, I don't know where some of these people had the time to do it, but they did. Brother Bounds, the altar was stacked with stuff. I mean, just stuff. They had gone home. 
They had gotten, I mean, now this is back in California when you could do this, but they had brought guns. They had brought golf clubs. Now, I know it's getting quiet right now, amen. And they just brought stuff, and they were just filling the altar with it, just giving it. One of the men that was there that night gave his entire business. Tongues of Interpretation went out afterwards and said, you're like the woman that broke the alabaster box, that this will be a memorial in this church. And uh, I mean, they just flooded to the front giving. And then the, when we started into the actual service, it just got stronger. And I mean, they were just giving like crazy. Just, and uh, so we was watching all that. And then all of a sudden, the spirit of giving lifted. Altars cluttered with stuff. The spirit of the Lord lifted, the spirit of giving lifted. And then the next thing I knew, the only way I can explain it to you, it was the most pure, unadulterated love of God I have ever felt. It just permeated in the building to such a degree that the old prayer warrior in that church, her name was Bonnie Kettner. She was uh, aunt to uh, uh, Sister Haney and uh, Sister Wilson, all them. And but she's the old prayer warrior in the church. And one of the men stood up and said, Chuck Winter stood up and said, Sister Bonnie, you drive every morning to this church at 5 o'clock to pray. You have to come through some rough places to get here. And that old car of yours is not very good. said, uh, I want you to know that uh, this week I'm going to take you down and I'm going to buy you a good car. I want to make sure that you're safe because you've prayed for me. That was just one of the acts that was happening in that service. Not just what they were putting on the altar to the church, but what they were doing one for another. And then it happened. Miracles. It's just like somebody threw a bomb off in that place and miracles begin to happen. Now God is going to call this church this year to that altar. And it will be the very premise of the greatest revival that this church has ever seen. It will move you into his divine nature. And when you move into that, get ready because something is about to manifest and something is about to happen. I am convinced that there will be a spirit of sacrifice. Now, well, Brother Morgan, we give, and I know you're a good giving church, but here's the problem. Are you ready for it? We think sacrificial giving is just a one-time event. It's not. It's a lifestyle. Boy, I'm, I'm, the worst thing you can do is hit the spirit of finance, which I believe is spirit. And, and you give and you have this moment and then you back off. Because if you learn anything from David, that lion and bear came, he said, I went out there, I knocked them down. He didn't kill them first. He said, I knocked them down. I took the lamb out of their mouth and they arose to slay me. And that's when I had to slay them. Worst thing you can do is knock your enemy down and not finish him off. And I've seen churches that move toward this and they give this offering and then they think that's all they got to do one time and then the next thing you know, their finances are under attack and all hell's breaking loose against them. It's because you knocked him down but you didn't finish him off. Whew. This church cannot afford just to do it sporadically and just knock him down every once in a while. God wants to open an unprecedented resources upon this church. And the way that that's going to happen is, is when we, out of love, just live a life of sacrifice. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
but you give your bodies as a living sacrifice and God's going to call you. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost. And when that happens and you respond, and I know you will, when that happens and you respond, I promise you it will open the windows of heaven and this whole area and every area that you're involved in will see the nature of God manifesting through you and they'll see you loving one another. <coughs> so they see you loving one another and loving God. That's what's going to win Zanesville. And that's what's going to win. Where am I at? South, East, Ohio. The, influ the, stand, the influence of that will be felt basically around the world. Jesus' name. Let's put it to practice right now. Let's put it to practice. Find somebody close to you. You're getting ready to go to them. You're going to pray for them. And as you get ready to pray for them, I want you to ask God, Lord, I don't know what their need is, but you do. And then this is my brother or my sister, and they're going through something. So I'm asking you to use me today in the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, Brother Morgan, I don't think I started the whole thing by talking about how you don't have enough. But his gift will help you to effectively be ministered to them. And some of you are going to operate in it and you don't even know. It's, you know we made the gifts all mystical. But you're going to operate in it and it's just going to be a natural thing that happens. And while you pray for them, you just some thoughts going to come in your brain and how to pray. And you know what? You just pray along with that and just let God be God. And we're going to minister one to another. Not out of a necessity, but we're going to do it because we love one another. Everybody good with that? I think that's the best way for us to kind of close my part of this out. So I want you to find somebody close to you. I want you to go to them all across the building. Don't let your human nature take over. I ain't praying for nobody. I don't believe in all that stuff and all. <clears throat> I don't think that's necessary. I think people ought to get the Holy Ghost right now. I think people ought to be healed right now. I think people ought to be delivered right now. I think a word of knowledge ought to flow through some of you and a word of wisdom ought to flow through some of you. Woo. I think God's going to use some of you right now in discernment of spirit. You're going to find out what they're battling with and what's really going on and you're going to know how to pray. I mean, open up to the Spirit and ask God right now, use me, help me to be able to effectively minister to this brother or this sister that I'm praying for right now. You see the need and I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you to help me minister effectively to that need. Let the, let the gifts of healing flow into this building right now. I ask that the gift of faith would flow into this building right now and would rest upon each and every one of us. In the name of Jesus, let the working of miracles happen in this building right now.
All right. Now I'm going to give you some more instructions. You ready? You ready for it? <laughs> Brother Bounds, I was uh, preaching a meeting and a young man walked up to me and he said, uh, Brother Morgan, I want you to lay your hands on me and impart to me a gift. I said, okay. So I reached over and laid my hand on him and I said, Jesus, I'm asking you right now to give this boy the gift of giving. And when I said it, he kind of stiffened and pulled his head back. He said, oh, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he said, I want, you to, I want you to pray that God would give me a gift. I said, okay. So I did it the second time. Lord, I ask you to give this boy the gift of giving. And he literally pushed my hand off his head and said, that's not what I'm talking about. I said, I know what you're talking about. You want one of the nine gifts of the Spirit. But the Bible talks about the gift of giving. You didn't specify. You just said you wanted a gift. Ooh. Now, I fell in the Holy Ghost to ask God that the gift of giving will come to some of you. I wish he'd come to all of you. But I'm going to ask God to let the gift of giving come to you today. And that all of a sudden something would be triggered. And that God will raise you up as a conduit for his finances to flow into the work of the kingdom like it needs to flow. That will happen through your giving. You're just a conduit. It all comes from him anyway. Woo, hallelujah. Now, I don't know if you want that gift to operate or not, but I feel to pray and release something right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I ask you in this church to allow a gift and the spirit of giving to come into this church and rest upon people that are open today and they love you enough to say, God, if that's what you want to use me in, then I ask that I could begin to give and I ask that you would honor my giving and I ask that you would open the windows of heaven upon me, my family, my church, my congregation, and that I could continue to be a blessing and pour it out. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Release it in this building. Let that altar be built here today by you, God, that we'd come to and we give you whatever you're asking us to give you today. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I feel the Holy Ghost moving right now. name of Jesus. Come on, lift your voices right now. Lift your voices right now. Lift your voices right now. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. Come on, that's it. Everybody in the building, would you lift your hands to the Lord and magnify Him? God, you're going to do that in this church, oh Lord. You're going to do a mighty work in this church, oh God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm going to tell you what I discern here just for a moment. Just for a moment. Not, not in very many, maybe very few. It sounds like Brother Morgan been, and Pastor Bounds have been talking. I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus. I stand before God in all honesty. He and I have not had a conversation about this day or what we are doing. He opens today up with Cyrus and the king in Ezra chapter 6. 
not knowing it's exactly what I preached on Thursday night about the king's treasure house. And the enemy tried to say, stop and cease the work of the Lord. But the king had a decree. Finish the building. Finish the work. I'm going to do a work through you and everybody. There was a remnant that believed. I'm telling you, God is going to do something in this church that's going to impact every daughter work in cities that come. Nations are going to be impacted because of what you are doing in this building today. Come on, hallelujah. The man of God has been sent by the Lord. He is a man of God. And today I taught you on two points. Living according to the commandment of God and hearkening to the voice of the Lord. And, and unscripted, the Lord dealt with me. I have no clue. I don't ask people what they're going to preach. I don't tell them what I've preached. But the Lord sent me to the widow woman at Zarephath to teach on that today. Randomly began to talk about tithes and offerings. God has a plan for this church. And I will say to you what he said to the widow woman. Do this and God is going to do this. If you obey what the man of God said, unprecedented blessing is coming. Come on, it's going to burn out poverty. It's going to be followed by the miraculous. God's going to change the landscape of a city. I'm telling you, God's going to change the landscape of a city. God's going to do things unprecedented. Do you believe that's going to happen? Would you clap your hands and shout, Hallelujah! Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We're not just going to finish it. We're going to finish. God has a plan. God has a plan. I want you to lift your hands in love and say, Lord, I want to be in the middle of your plan. Come on, that's it. Everybody in the building, God, I want to be in the middle of what you are doing. I want to be in the middle of what you are doing. You're going to begin to speak to us throughout the day. Speak through, uh, to us, oh Lord, throughout this week. Lord, we thank you, God, for sending a preacher with instruction, oh God, of what you're going to, and prophecy of what you're going to do right here in Zanesville and the surrounding cities. We receive of it. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And everybody says, Amen. I'm going to tell you what I have felt in this revival, this prayer revival, and I feel now like never before. There's, there's got to be this concept in every believer, I need to be obedient. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. I've had people say, well, I, you know, I just don't have a conviction of that. If the word of God says it, doesn't matter how you feel about it. Obedience. He, he told, Samuel told the king, he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. And God is taking this church to a whole new level right now. But to be obedient to his word. And if I can be obedient to his word, obedient to his voice, there's going to be miraculous things on a personal level, regional level, state level, national level, all the way it's going to impact nations. And I receive that word. I want to be obedient to what God is saying in the hour. If he calls us to prayer, we're going to pray. If he calls us to fasting, we're going to fast. If he calls us to give, we're going to give. Come on, let there be a shout in the building. Let there be a shout in the building. He calls us to plant another church. We'll plant another church. Calls us to send a missionary. We'll send another missionary. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Tonight at 5 o'clock, we're going to pray. We're going to begin to pray in the sanctuary in the hallways. Come for prayer. The sanctuary will be open for prayer at 5. 
at 6 o'clock. Brother Morgan's going to be back with us and our teams and our churches from across the campus. And I am going to ask that our music team park in the shuttle lot and those that come early prepare. That way there will be more parking spots. We're out of parking on Sundays anyhow. And so we are so thankful for you. I feel the love of God. I mean, one of the most amazing churches anywhere in the world is right here. The way you love one another, the way you love the kingdom of God, and faithful to prayer and fasting, and I mean, missions. You know, realize we get to send full time missionaries out that didn't have to deputize? That was a dream, but it's reality. You know why? Because we're givers. Amen. We want to see the kingdom impacted. People never heard the gospel, hearing the gospel. That's what this is about. That is the motive. That is the mo Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. Oh, clap your hands and shout again before we go. Thank you, Lord. 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 Bring somebody with you tonight. Tonight's going to be very, very powerful. We will see you tonight. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.